What's up, everybody? Thanks so much for checking out the SCFYA podcast. SCFYA is the College and Young Adult Ministry of South Tampa Fellowship Church in Tampa, Florida. We meet every Monday night for the city, our weekly worship gathering. We are a family that's committed to following Jesus together in our city, and we would love for you to join us. For more information about how you can get involved, check us out on Instagram at STF underscore YA. Thanks for listening. for sharing tonight. Uh, Obviously, we don't necessarily have somebody come up on stage and share a testimony of what the Lord is doing in their life or in uh, the life of the people around them often, but in response to the prayer and worship nights that we had a couple weeks ago, uh, and just seeing so many people get up here and share their story, share what the Lord has been doing in their life, we felt like it was a great way to uh, set the tone for each and every single night that we come in here and worship and just hear from different people in this room about what the Lord is teaching them and, and how powerful each and every single one of our stories and our testimonies are. So that would be something that you see um, coming, coming or happening regularly, regularly, excuse me, words are difficult, um, but happening regularly over the next couple of weeks. Along with, we'll, we'll bring back some of those worship nights and have different nights that look like our prayer and worship nights looked. Uh, so I'm excited, but, but that's all a response uh, of what happened, what the Lord did in this place. Uh, just a few short weeks ago, but we felt like tonight was a great night to start with the call to worship, to start with um, this idea of, of sharing what the Lord is doing in your life, because tonight what we're talking about um, is listening to the Holy Spirit. How can we know when the Holy Spirit is, is teaching us? And so um, for myself, I think I've said this about a hundred times from stage, but I truly believe that Chris, uh, in the little free time that he does have, uh, brainstorms ways to get me to preach on things that, that I struggle with myself. I think he brainstormed ways to, to give me the tough weeks, whether it was Valentine's Day or whether it's preaching on a list of the Holy Spirit or even the fact that I have to follow Shannon um, a week after she spoke. I mean, she literally sang in the middle of her message last week. And if I began to do that this evening, um, I pray first and foremost that Palmer would mute me in the back and we wouldn't get that far. But if I did get that far, I have a good feeling that some of you would walk out in this moment right now, and the rest of you probably wouldn't come back next week. So uh, in order to avoid that, um, I'm going to try a different approach, and I'm going to unpack something uh, that, that in theory is a simple concept, but by no means is it something that's easy to do. So in theory, it's a simple concept, but by no means is it easy to do. So tonight, we'll kind of have two separate parts. The first part will be observations of how the Spirit speaks. So we'll look at five different ways that the Spirit speaks to us, ways that we can look for the Spirit to speak, areas of our life that we can look for the Spirit to speak. And the second is an application of how we can create space for the Spirit to listen. So part one, ways that we can look for the Spirit to speak. And the second is an application for ways that we can create silence and create space in our lives in order to give the Spirit an opportunity to speak to us and and for us to listen on the back end of that. So... Um, when, we, when we think about the Holy Spirit right now, um, myself and a couple guys are reading through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is like ground zero for how the Holy Spirit begins to work in the Bible. We see the Holy Spirit active in the Old Testament, absolutely. But the book of Acts, we see the pouring out of the Spirit. We see the pouring out of the Spirit onto the disciples. And as they begin to work in marvelous ways and gifts and all these things. But it's all through the power of the Spirit. So 
The Spirit is mentioned elsewhere. We see it in different places, but our foundation is truly found in the book of Acts. And so the book of Acts basically tells us how the Holy Spirit empowers the believers in Jesus Christ to follow him. So the Holy Spirit is something that empowers us and enables us to follow Jesus in ways that we definitely could not do on our own. So the Spirit is mentioned 59 times in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is mentioned 59 times in the book of Acts. And 39 of those times portrays the Spirit as speaking. So that's almost 70% of the time. So 39 of the 59 times the Spirit is mentioned in the book of Acts, it is portrayed as speaking. So if 75, excuse me, 70% of the Spirit's explicit action revolves around speaking to God's people, then we need to ask ourselves a very important question, which is the question of the night. How do we listen to the Holy Spirit? Because what I would argue is that a failure to listen to God's Spirit will ultimately result in a failure to follow Jesus. So my question to you tonight is, are you listening? Are we listening? I think there's a lot of people in this room, um, myself included, that are seeking, truly, really trying our best to listen to the Holy Spirit. But we would probably find ourselves a little more confused about what he is saying than confident about what he is saying. It reminds me of like being in an accounting class in college of like, I'm seeking to understand, but I'm definitely finding myself a lot more confused than I am finding myself being able to actually understand what the professor was trying to communicate to me. And that is why I now work in marketing. So there's that for you. But it is also imperative that we understand how the Spirit is speaking to us. The question is not whether God is speaking. The question is whether or not he is trying to communicate with us. The question is, are we listening to the right source? So here quickly, as we get started tonight, are five ways that the Lord speaks to us very tangibly. Five tangible ways that I feel like the Lord is speaking to each of us individually. First and foremost is his word. Scripture is essential. He is speaking to us through his word. That's through the reading of the word. That's through listening to the teaching of the word. But he is speaking to us through his word. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says this, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We cannot know the spirit apart from God's revealed word because the spirit never operates independently of his word. The spirit of God never operates independently from his word. Therefore, we understand that scripture is essential in listening to the spirit. Number two is our gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul tells us that a demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person. So essentially what Paul is saying in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 is that each believer is given the spirituals or things of the Spirit, and most translations would define that as spiritual gifts. And so now there's definitely examples all across the New Testament, especially across Paul's writings, of where we see these mentioned elsewhere. So Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and we see things like this, hospitality, mercy, serving, generosity, exhortation, teaching, evangelism, leadership, vision, prayer, speaking in other languages. Maybe I got that Spanish. Anybody? No? Okay, just me. Never mind. I like to think I have that gift, but apparently not. Um, but as you discover where God has gifted you, what you will see is that how he leads you, how he's shaping you, how he's speaking, speaking to you is going to be through that calling. 
through the gifts that he's given you. And so as you begin to find favor in certain areas, know that that could potentially be a spiritual gift that the Lord has given you and is speaking to you through you using and cultivating that talent or gift that he has blessed you with. So the second thing is our gifts. The third is the church. And this is the most common way that we see the Spirit speak throughout the book of Acts. That's the church. So in the church or the community of God's people, we are surrounded by men and women who are also filled and led by the same Spirit as us. This is where we find things like discipleship, guidance, mentorship, counseling, preaching, teaching, all the things that we gain from the church community. Um, and it, it is a beautiful thing. And to be led by the Spirit as well as the Spirit leads people alongside of us, that is why the church is so necessary and so important uh, to, to life. We are a place here at South Haven Fellowship. We believe in the church. This young adult ministry that we have is not just something fun we do on Tuesday nights, but it's a part of the bigger body of believers, and, and our body of believers here at SCF is a part of the bigger body of believers in Tampa, and so we're not competitors with other churches that we see, but instead we're family working together for the same mission and the same goal, and that's glorifying Jesus Christ, and so rather than be in competition with other believers and competition with other churches, let's make sure that we are leaning on one another and listening to the word the Spirit may have for us through the church. And so in Acts 13.2, we see this. As they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said this, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, and by the work I have called them to. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So in this moment, what we see is that Paul and Barnabas get set aside by the Holy Spirit, and they're encouraged, they're trained, they're prayed for by the church, and then they are sent out by the church. So the church here has the role of discipleship, it has a role of teaching. Um, all the things that I just mentioned are so necessary to Christian walk and Christian community. And so what we can see is that this, again, can look like sermons, or it can maybe look like a word of encouragement, but the Lord is going to speak to you through the church. Next we see in number four is our spirit. So there's this verse in the book of Nehemiah that Chris has mentioned to me before. Um, it said, he said it always stuck out to him for a specific reason. The verse is Nehemiah 2, chapter 12. It says this, I got up at night and took a few men with me. I didn't tell anyone what my God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal I took was the one that I was riding. And so he said that the reason it stuck out to him is because there is no verbal command. There was no handwriting on the wall like we had seen in other times in the Old Testament. There was no sign in the stars. There was not this voice from the God um, that he could audibly hear. But instead, it was something that God had laid on his heart. And it just simply, God laid it on my heart. And it's clear from Scripture, we see it on several different occasions, that God sometimes is going to put something on your heart, put something on his people's heart. It could be an ambition. It could be a dream. It could be a holy discontentment, as some people like to say, that serves as his guidance for something that he wants that person to do. It can be big or small. In Acts 17, 16, we see this. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was troubled within him when he saw that the city was full of idols. So the spirit of God here spoke to Paul, using Paul's own spirit to guide him to the next place of ministry. So what has God given you a holy disturbance, a holy discontentment for? Is it maybe a call to ministry or a specific area of ministry? Is it a career field? 
Like for myself, I feel like the Lord has called me into marketing to use the gifts and talents he's given me to share stories and tell stories that empower other people that I can hopefully point people back to him and for his glory. Um, is it an area of injustice in our society? We have people in this room that um, have a call to fight sex trafficking. We have people in this room that have a call to fight poverty. People in this room have a call to fight against um, or, or fight for orphans and, and be a light from foster care and, and serve orphans well. So what is an area, an area of the holy discontentment or, or frustration that maybe the Lord has placed in your heart where you know he has called you to work in that area? And so for us, we know that our own spirit can also be a way that the Lord speaks to us. And the last way, number five, is our circumstances. And many times God used our circumstances to speak to us, whether those circumstances be good or for me, usually it's when the circumstances are bad. We see in Acts 16.6 that uh, it says this, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia and were prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message in Asia. And so in Acts 16, in theory, what we would say is that Paul was doing the work of the Lord. We would say that he was going and doing what God had called him to do, but God, out of nowhere, shuts the door in his face. I think a lot of us have found ourselves in that position where we felt like we were doing what the Lord has called us to do. We felt like we were doing the things the Lord um, had placed before us, but out of nowhere, we get the door slammed in our face. And that door getting slammed in our face may have looked like a college rejection letter, or maybe it looked like a job rejection letter, or maybe it looked like a, a loved one passing away, or maybe it looked like a friend that lets you down, a relationship that ended that you never expected to end. But we've all maybe felt that, that God had slammed a door in our face when we were walking the path he wanted us to do. But what we, what we learn from this is God often leads us by his sovereign control of our circumstances. God is often going to lead us by his sovereign control of our circumstances. He opens certain doors, and when he opens certain doors, he's going to close others. And that's just simply part of how he speaks. And so, however, what we can find ourselves doing is we can find ourselves being like Jonah because even Jonah found a boat to Tarshish that was going the complete opposite way of where God had called him but in that God wrecked his plans and brought him back on the path that he had called him to so we know that God can speak in our circumstances so those five areas again are just all ways that, that I feel like the Lord has spoke to me in the way that I've seen scripture identify ways that God is speaking to his people. But the question that I think I find myself left with, I know those things, I, I, I grew up in church, I heard those things, I can write those things down, I can tell you those things, but I like struggle, I get stuck when it comes to finding the actual application to creating space for God to listen. How do I be still? How do I have time with him where I know I'm listening and I can hear the Holy Spirit speak to me? What does it look like to create that space in my life? So I'm now, what I'm going to try to do, this is risky tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is very risky. I'm going to try to tell you a method of how, man, this is going to be bad. We'll see. Go stay with me here. I'm now going to tell you a method that we thought was only good for saving us when our clothes caught on fire, okay? We thought this method would only work when our clothes caught on fire, but actually, I'm here to argue tonight that it can actually help when we're trying to hear the Spirit speak to us. So, what we're going to do tonight is we are going to stop, drop, and roll, okay? We're going to stop, drop, and roll. And I'm more of a visual person, so I found a pretty good picture. So we're going to stop, we're going to drop, and we're going to roll. Who had that in their classroom growing up on fire day? Come on, just me? All right, I guess so. So tonight, like I said, 
when I heard when I first heard this phrase in like full transparency, I thought this is what you do like when your house caught on fire. And like so you stop, you drop, and you just roll through the hallways of your house to escape the fire. Um, learned that's not effective. Thankfully never tried it out, otherwise I probably would not be here with you this evening sharing this, but we're going to stop, drop, and roll. And so Listen, again, this is risky. It may not work. You guys may look at me when this is over and be very confused and perplexed. But the good news is this. Chris and Michaela aren't here tonight, okay? So if this doesn't go well, we delete the recording, okay? We make a pact that no one talks about this ever again, and we just talk about the first half of the message. Does that sound good? Are we in on that? All right, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so first up is stop. First up is stop. First, I just, that never is going to get old. We're going to turn and admire each one of these little pictures when it comes up. But first up is stop. So we must be intentional in our focus, which means that our time and our calendar must reflect our heart's desire. So there's a verse in uh, Samuel where, where it talks about um, Samuel's calling, where, where the Lord calls him for the first time. And it says this, uh, in starting in verse 9. I don't know if we have this for the screen, but it says, So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. So we see that example in Samuel where he, he creates space for God. He's listening for God. He's yearning for God to speak to him yet another time. And then also in Matthew 6, 6, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And he, he says not to pray like the Pharisees, but he says this. He says to go in your closet, shut the door, and to pray in the secret, to pray in the quiet place. And so in both of these instances, when God speaks, we see him move. We see God tell us to pray in these quiet places. And so um, this means setting maybe a regular time each day to get alone with God. Or maybe this can be um, at home in the morning. Um, personally, not a morning person. So for me, it doesn't usually happen in the morning. Happens in the evening, maybe before I go to bed. Um, I like to take a hot girl walk every single day. Maybe that's just me. Um, but I'll take a little hot girl walk to the mailbox, get the mail, pray during that time. Just me. Okay, that's great. Um, no support there. I thought we were in this together tonight. That's awesome. Uh, but I take a walk and just try to pray during that time and reflect on maybe what the Lord was teaching me during the day. Um, or maybe it can be in your car on the way to work. Just drive in silence. Cut off the music. Cut off the podcast. I know that can be scary. But drive in silence. Maybe pray in that time or, or just create space for the Lord to speak. Again, it could be in the morning. It could be in the evening. Um, whenever works for you. But stop and create that space uh, for the Lord to speak. Uh, at the beginning of the night, Palmer asked the question, what was your favorite animal? Um, so not only are we going to be talking about stop, drop, and roll. Uh, but we're going to be talking about how stop, drop, and roll applies to my favorite animal this evening. This is, I told you, it's going to be risky. But here we go. So I'm going to get vulnerable. My favorite animal is the penguin, okay? I feel like I need to share that. I feel like I need to tell you guys that my favorite, I thought that was going to be a penguin on stage. <laughs> I was like, no way did they pull that off. That's awesome. Uh, my favorite animal is a penguin. And, and I'm, we're, going to get, we're going to get specific. I'm especially fond of the southern rockhopper penguin and the emperor penguin, specifically due to their features in the movie Surf's Up and uh, Happy Feet. I-Y-K, Y-K, no explanation needed. Um, but at the end of the day, I genuinely do love all penguins. And if you went to the DR with us this year, you know that our lovely driver, Henry, made me a penguin card from a tree that is specifically native to the Dominican Republic. And it's quite possibly the best gift I've ever received. I was so excited. It still sits on my desk to this day. I love penguins. Now, if you went with us to the DR this year, 
you know that we're not really sure if Henry actually made that penguin for me um, or if he bought it from a store and scammed me. Like he potentially scams a lot of tourists that comes in, but I'm going to believe that Henry's my guy and uh, stayed up all night carving that penguin for me. But as I grew up, and obviously you learn a lot about your favorite animal as you grow up, um, I naturally began to learn about their predators. Uh, I went to sea camp in fifth grade. If you're from Florida, that's something that you do. You go down to Key West, and you get to dissect a shark, and they teach you about a lot of different sharks. Um, and they, they specifically teach you about the great white shark. And one of the things they said about the great white shark is that one of its favorite things to eat is penguins. Uh, that upset me. I know. My feelings exactly. Emotionally unstable at that point. Um, but they said something else that was was pretty interesting to me about the great white shark. Um, while the great white shark is one of the most feared predators in the ocean, there is probably something that you didn't know, because I sure as heck didn't, and maybe you're smarter than me, and I'm not giving you all enough credit. Um, but the, for in order for the great white shark to stay alive, it must always be moving. In order for the great white shark to stay alive, it must always be moving. It needs a constant stream of water running through its gills at all times in order to keep breathing and stay alive. It, stay alive. If they stop moving, they will literally die or pass away. So at all times, this shark, in order to stay alive, has to keep moving. So you're looking at me right now, and you're going, J. Mike, what in the world does this have to do with me? So let's do a quick check. Are your arms fins? Thank you. <laughs> I love the participation this evening. Do you have a dorsal fin on your back? No, we don't, huh? Do you eat fish for a living? And listen, I don't mean you love sushi, okay? I don't mean that the new public's opened up and they got a sick sushi section and you're hitting that up all the time. But do you eat fish for a living? No. And do you have 3,000 teeth in your mouth? If so, please come to the stage right now. We would love to examine what that looks like. But the moral of the story is no, you're not a shark. And if you've answered those questions, yes, please go see a doctor or a veterinarian. I don't know what to tell you at that point. But we are not sharks. And this, to me, is something of the biggest things I struggle with in my life. I'm a person that I always have to be doing something. What is the next, next task I need to accomplish? What is the next thing I need to take care of? Who can I serve? Who can I help? What can I do for God in order to show him how much I love him while never actually taking the time to stop and listen for what he could potentially be trying to tell me? And so you don't have to stay moving to stay alive. You get to chill and just be. I think we need to start taking a moment out of every single day to just chill and stop moving. Sabbath every single day. Sabbath every single week. Sabbath every single year. Create a habit of creating space for God to speak to you in the silence so you can listen. So you are not a shark. It's okay to stop. Next up. Drop. Yeah. He's posing a little bit. Listen, that's not a man that's got fire on his body. That's all I'm going to say. He's posing. He's got the lean propped up. I mean, I'm going to need to find a better graphic next time. I, actually, there won't be a next time after this. Who knows? Um, but drop, drop. And so we're going to drop two things. The two things that we're going to drop are distractions and predetermined expectations. So distractions and predetermined expectations. We must eliminate distractions. So congratulations, you have finally found yourself being still. But how do we stay still? How do we stay in the quiet? And, and the first thing we have to do is eliminate the distractions. And so what distractions should you and can you eliminate? I know some of us have flexible schedules. Other of us don't have as much, flexible in their schedule, much flexibility 
in their schedule. So what does it look like to eliminate distractions throughout your day? That could be putting your phone on do not disturb. That could be turning off the TV. It could be shutting your laptop completely. It could be leaving your phone behind as you take a walk. But I think a lot of our distractions revolve around maybe our cellular devices or a screen in some capacity or some form. Maybe it's cutting out um, just time to, to walk away from work and at your desk and, and maybe you're in a meeting and you need to create that space to be free of distractions because I know it can be very hard to tune out the voices of others. We live in a world where we're constantly hearing feedback on what we should do, how we should think, um, whether that's through social media, whether that's through media, or whether that's our bosses telling us something, our family telling us something, our friends telling us something. We're always hearing opinions of how we should think and what we should do. But silence helps us hear God's voice and sing his song. Silence is going to help us hear God's voice and, like Shannon mentioned last week, sing his song. And so for us, what we have to realize is that silence is the difference between sight and insight. Silence is the difference between happiness and joy. And silence is the difference between fear and faith. Silence is the difference between sight and insight, between happiness and joy, and between fear and faith. The next thing we must drop is we must come and listen with an open heart and an open attitude. So that would be our predetermined expectations. This means being open and respect, receptive to God's guidance and instruction and being willing to obey. God is always looking for ways to talk to you. That is so evident as we showed in scripture. And I think we can be encouraged to see how he brings favor to you when you bring an attitude of selflessness rather than selfishness. So oftentimes we come to God with our plans, expect him to sign off on it and then be on our way. Or so often we come to God with, hey God, I'm praying for this situation, but actually what I really want in this situation is this for it to happen. And if you don't do this for me in this situation, I'm going to be very, very angry with you. I think a verse that maybe we've used to, to talk about the, the stop portion, but not so much the drop portion, is Psalm 46.10. It says this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So Psalm 46 is very clearly a song of praise to God for protection for Jerusalem's enemies. And we see this verse used as an instruction to stop doing. So be still and know that he is God. We hear it said, be still and know that he is God. And sit quietly, contemplate that the Lord is good, that the Lord is God. That is so often how I've heard this verse, verse quoted and most likely how you have heard it quoted as well. But if you dive a little deeper and you look at the Hebrew meaning of the word, this version of be still that's used here means to let go, means to stop striving, to slacken and let drop. It's not a call to inaction, but instead a call to surrender our circumstances to God's sovereignty. I love that line. It says, it's not a call to inaction, but a call to surrender God, surrender our circumstances to God's sovereignty. So again, how often do we come before God, not only being distracted, but also with our predetermined expectations of what he's going to do in that moment, what our predetermined biases of what we want him to do in that moment, and how we want him to respond instead of coming with open palms and open hearts and expecting him to move in a way that only he knows is best. So J. Mike, you might be asking yourself, how does this apply to penguins? I'm happy you asked. So another fun fact about penguins is the males are the ones that take care of the eggs. Any wannabe stay-at-home dads in the house? Just me as well. Okay, this is getting <laughs> awkward up here. It's hot. 
turn the lights down. Um, they, they're stay-at-home dads, if you will. However, they can only carry those burdens for so long before they have to lay them down and rest. So while, yes, these male penguins can accomplish certain tasks with the egg in their pouch in order to truly, but in order to truly discern certain situations or fend off certain dangers, they have to drop the weight they're carrying. There are certain paths they can only navigate to see if it is safe at the end of that path. And there are certain predators they can only fight off if they do not have that weight carried with them. Now, that doesn't mean that that burden gets left behind forever. They do go back to it. They do go back to protect it because this is a child, maybe not a stereotypical burden that we think of. But they eventually drop the burden that is holding them down. And so to, to do these things, to, to try to come to God with these burdens or these expectations is an attempt to try to control your life. And that is the complete opposite of what God is calling us to do. So drop your predetermined biases, drop your predetermined burdens and expectations that you so that you are able to clearly discern the voice of God and what he is trying to say to you. The voice of the devil, the voice of your flesh, the voice of this world are going to distract you. If you don't lay those things down before you enter into that still place, you will not hear the voice of the Lord speaking. It is okay to drop what you are carrying. And the last one is roll. So you've got to move, but you don't know how to move. And maybe you don't know if you're moving in the right direction. And the great place to start here is by going through those five areas that we discussed. Are you, you know, maybe you have a tough decision in front of you. Maybe you have um, a, a life decision of work or school or, or, or maybe a, a place that you're going to move. Or maybe it's a relationship decision that you have to make, whether it's cutting off a friend or a significant other. We our family situation. We all have these tough decisions, and, and we're praying that God speaks truth, speaks life into those decisions. So now that we've remained still, we've created space for him to speak, we've cut our distractions, we've cut our biases, we do have to eventually move from that space when we hear him speak. So now, okay, well, I, I know I need to move, but I have this decision, I have that decision. How do I know which is the right decision? I think we can take those things and go to his word, see how he calls his people before us, to move, We can go to the church through discipleship or, or through uh, being led by older people that are wiser than us. We can, we can go to the church for a word of encouragement or for preaching and teaching to see how God has, has moved in these certain areas in the past. Or, or maybe it's trusting um, your own spirit and, and trusting that the Lord will guide you in the right direction based off of how he treated Jonah or how um, he treated Paul and Acts. And so there's all these ways of, of, that we know the Spirit is going to speak to us in those, way, those ways so we can apply it to our life. But another great way to start by testing these decisions, testing your discernment, is by testing them by and against the fruits of the Spirit. So Galatians 5, through 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A couple quick examples off of those would be, do you have peace about the decision? Are you experiencing anxiousness and unrest? Are you being patient in the decision process and moving at God's pace? Or are you rushing through it at your pace, trying to create an outcome, trying to create a decision? Are you acting out of love or are you acting out of hate? We can go one by one through every single one of those fruits of the Spirit and compare the fruit of the Spirit to the opposite. But the question is, do your decisions align with the spirit or with the flesh of selfish ambition? The fruit of the spirit can be a great temperature check for you as you begin to make decisions, not only big, but also daily in your, in your individual lives. Penguins, we're back. Every year, penguins migrate. 
They somehow know the exact direction to go. They know how to go to the exact same place every single year without a GPS, without a map. And this discernment, this, this, this kind of gut feeling that they have, the direction they know where to go, is attributed to years of making the same journey and trusting the elder penguins to lead the way. Over time, they recognize the, the direction they should be going, and they themselves are able to discern the direction. The same way that the longer we walk with God and the longer we walk along with elders or mentors or leaders that go, have gone before us, the same way that we're going to be able to recognize the voice of the Spirit speaking more clearly to us. So the longer you do it, the longer you stay in his presence, the longer you stay around the things of him, you are going to be able to recognize the way in which he is moving and the way in which he is trying to speak to you. So tonight, as we do with every single service, we're going to end with a thing called two minutes of silence. And our two minutes of silence is, is something that we like to do to create space for the Lord to speak to you. As we just talked about, we live in a world that moves so fast, that moves at a pace that, that we were not made to move at. And so we want to give you the time every single week to, to listen. What is the Lord trying to say to you? What do you feel like the Lord is trying to teach you? What are some areas in your life that you know you need to create space to stop? What are some areas in your life you know you need to have space to listen and cut distractions and burdens? And what are some areas in your life that you have decisions that are weighing on you and you know you need to move? You know you need to apply the fruits of the Spirit. You know you need to look for where the Lord is trying to speak to you and apply it to that situation and use the discernment of the Holy Spirit to, to not be in inaction and not sit in that moment, but instead go and move from where God has called you to go and move. So a couple questions tonight that I want you to consider as we go into that time. Are you stopping to create the space and silence for God to speak? Are you stopping to create the space and silence for God to speak? Next, are you dropping the burdens and biases you are carrying into the situation? Are you dropping the burdens and biases that you are carrying into the situation? And finally, are you rolling? Are you moving? Are you testing your discernment by the fruits of the Spirit or relying on the church, His Word, your spirit, your, your intuition to, to drive you forward to action? All while we listen to God speak through His Word, our gifts, the, te the church, our spirit, and our circumstances, we know that God is speaking question is, are you listening? I know for myself, oftentimes the answer is no. I don't create time to, to listen to him speak. I don't create the space to um, hear him speak to me. I don't lay down my burdens. I don't lay down my expectations. And I find myself burned out. I find myself exhausted. I find myself hurting. And I find myself acting in a way that I would not act if I was in a healthy place walking with the and it's necessary to have checks like this. It's necessary to have checks like people around you. It's necessary to have a community like this where you can come and you can hear and you can lean on one another and lay those burdens together. But you can't let somebody else's relationship with the Lord suffice for your own personal relationship with the Lord. It has to be an active decision that you make every day to stop, drop, and roll through the presence of the Spirit, listening for Him, looking for Him, and moving with him. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that we can rely on you to guide us, to direct us, to correct us. God, we pray during this two minutes of silence that you would reveal to us areas where we need to slow down, 
areas that we need to uh, stop in, in times maybe throughout our day that we can create that space. God, we pray that in this time you would also reveal to us areas where we need to drop our burdens at your feet. We need to drop our expectations and our biases of what we want to see happen or the outcome we want at your feet and come with open palms and, and open hearts and just be expectant for you to move and, and be expectant for what you have for us because we know what you have for us will be better than what we maybe could conjure up for ourselves. And lastly, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to move in the areas that we need to move, to know that we're not moving alone, God, but instead we're moving and walking with you side by side in relationship with you. Focusing on how you're guiding us, how you're directing us with each and every single step, God, it looks like a continuous, constant conversation with you. God, you're so good and we're so grateful that you seek us out, that you love us and you wanna continue to have a, a constant relationship with us. God, reveal to us in these areas where we need to let go and let you in and trust you to do the things that only you can do.